0: Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. I really just have a simple message today, Um, and it's just that he's a shepherd. He's a good shepherd, you know. Um, Psalm 23, The Shepherd's Been on My Heart. We were over at Jimmy and Rachel's, and they've got an incredible song. What's the name of that song that you feast? It's just a powerful song. You should check out their stuff. Um, but just this simple idea of God as a shepherd. Rather than a taskmaster, rather than the disciplinarian, he's a shepherd. And, and it really, it starts with this, because here's the deal. The most important thing that you can do is determine in your mind who God really is. The most important question that you can answer is, who is God and how does he see me and how does he relate to me? Well, three most important questions. But, you know, it's like, who is this God? Who is he and what kind of person is he? What kind of being is he toward me? What kind of being is this God? And I'm telling you, the church has messed that up for far too long. We've told the world that God is mad at them and God is angry at them. I'm watching you, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we? Haven't you been told that? Sometimes people will come into a place like this and, you know, you hear this message and we just focus on the finished work of Jesus and it's like, why did no one ever tell me? And then you get mad at your last pastor and your last church and it's like, well, don't do that. It's not like we've got it all figured out. You know, we're not the super Christians. We just focus on this thing. The finished work of Jesus. Amen. But I want you again, that's really the only thing I'm going to communicate today is that God is a shepherd. He wants to lead you and guide you. And that picture that I saw during worship there, it's so true. Yeah, because I don't I we so there's a particular section in the body of Christ that values the supernatural element of the relationship with God that we have. And sometimes it gets off and focuses on the wrong things. It makes it about the externals and the gifts and a Bible that's leaking oil and feathers that have popped into the air and gold dust that's coming out of the vents. And that's fine. You know what? If that does it for you, cool. I'm not trying to take that away, but there's something deeper than that. Those might all be signs pointing to who God really is, but it's about this if you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of this supernatural relationship that we're in with Him, it's that life-giving source. Like, in this moment, right now, can you shift your consciousness? Can you repent? You know, repent is not when you come down to the altar and you convince God how sorry you are and He dispenses you some forgiveness, you know. Repentance is when you shift your thinking and you realize, oh, I forgot who you were for a moment. I was living like a fool, but you are loving you are kind, and you are generous, and you are life-giving. And if I stay focused on that, I will live that way. I won't be off in this stuff that makes me feel guilty and condemned. I will live in that holiness and that righteousness that you've given me if I behold you and who you really are and how you really, truly desire to treat me. And so that's, you know, that's what we spend so much time doing is just shaping our mind and influencing our heart to believe who he really is, especially... When the world has its way with you, the the loss that we experience, the disappointment, the the hurt, the pain, the suffering, you know, and and we know that that's not his will because he didn't put it in the garden and it's not in eternity. It's only in the middle because of what mankind has done. God only wants perfection. It's just what he wants. And I just see that. I, I hope that you take that picture with you today and this week, that you can stop, you can turn toward him, and rather just some subjective or nebulous idea that, Jesus, you are something for me. I don't really know how to connect to that, but that you have a real experience of your shepherd feeding you life, real spiritual life, and it manifests in you. So like when you eat food, That vitamin A gets extrapolated and sent to where it needs to be sent and all the different things that get broken down and it does stuff in your body. Well, His life goes through you and it becomes wisdom for you. It becomes peace for you. It becomes direction. It becomes a word of encouragement for someone else. And you just bask in His presence, bask in His love for you, and it becomes things in you to glorify Him. And it's real. You want to know how it works? I have no clue. It works. It just works. But it's interacting with your shepherd that helps you stay in that mindset and be able to grasp, get a hold of your mind, and shift it back. Some of you that rehearse the same kinds of things over and over and over, it's time to start rehearsing the right things, the true things, the lovely things. This is the heart. You know, I went over this passage a couple of weeks ago. This, the mess, I don't even remember which series it was, but we kind of came down to this one idea. And it's in Mark 8. And this is Jesus uh, after he's already fed 5,000. And then he goes to, off to the mountain by himself and he sees the, his disciples struggling in the boat, right? And he goes to them and they're thinking that they're going to die. He gets in the boat with them and he rebukes them for having little faith. Now, little faith isn't that they didn't have enough of this commodity of faith, like let me do something to get more of that faith thing. Faith is how convinced you are of who God is. So little faith is, I'm not so sure that you're good, God. I'm not so sure that you are a provider. But great faith is, I don't care what my bank account looks like, you are my provider. And you're more convinced of his character than your circumstance. That's great faith. And so that's what he's challenging them with. You have little faith. You need great faith. I am. I will be who I said I will be. And that's, that's offensive. Like, well, Jesus, then you're telling me that it's me. Because if you're going to be who you are, I don't want to go too far into that part of it. Yeah. You feel me, though? So this is, this is where he goes after he preaching again and he sees these people, and he tells—he can tell that they're hungry. Let's go ahead and put that up, Mark 8, up there. This is the heart of God toward you. During those days, another large crowd gathered. Since they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to them and said, I have compassion for these people. Now, see the Lord watching you in your life in your circumstance, with your family, with your job, with your friends, with an illness that you might be struggling with, with a loved one that's struggling, whatever it is, all that real world stuff, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me for three days and they have nothing to eat. Now, think about this spiritual life that he gives us, right? I mean, this is talking about fish and bread, but for us, it's peace. It's like they haven't had any peace to eat in a while. They've been walking with me, but they haven't had any joy to eat in quite a while. Look at them. I have compassion for them. Then he goes on. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them got a long way to go. You know, This is, this is the heart of God toward you. He's concerned that you are not going to be able to eat of that peace and eat of that joy because it might be too long of a journey for you. And he's looking at you and he has compassion. And he says, I want to feed you peace right now in this moment. That's his heart. Do you see that? I mean, do you see that, that element of Jesus? Can you just see it? Like this picture of Jesus and he's looking at the crowd and he's like, man, I've been preaching for quite a while here. You know, these guys are probably hungry. And if I send them away, uh, it's too far. And they, haven't, they don't have any food. I need to feed them. And so the the last verse in that, let's look at that. If I send them home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have a long distance. Was that the last one? Okay. (laughs) I should have had my own notes up here. But that's his heart, right? He doesn't want to send you away hungry. His heart is they've been walking with me. I, I get that they've been listening, but they need me to feed them. And you know, Jesus isn't just interested in preaching at you. He did that. He wanted to feed them. And it's spiritual for us in that moment. Amen? Again, I don't have some great revelation, but I want to inspire some hope and some faith in you today to go out of this place and actually trust that your God loves you and He wants to feed you and He will feed you. Righteousness, peace, joy wisdom, and lead you and guide you into all truth because He's a good shepherd. So I just wanted to go through Psalm 23. We're going to go through it in the, in the New Living Translation and just kind of use it as a meditation. You know, just think about it for a minute. I'm not preaching at you. We're, we're meditating together on who this Lord is. We're, we're thinking of Jesus. He's looking at us. He sees where we are. He has compassion for us in this moment. He knows what you need before you ever even ask. And he says, just seek me. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Think about that. Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. Now, that doesn't mean you settle for lack. You know what I mean? It's like, well, if, I, if he wanted me to have this, I'd have it now. Well, he wants you to have it, but it might just be in spiritual form. And it, more than anything, is righteousness, peace, and joy. If you can experience those things, then any sense of physical lack, it's not that you don't get to see the promise fulfilled in that area, but it prepares your heart to be able to receive what He has for you. There's a trust that you have to get to be able to eat the food of the shepherd. Let's keep going. He lets me rest in green meadows. Now, it's interesting because King James says, he makes me to lie down in green meadows. I've got a little video we're going to watch in just a little bit, but uh, I found another video of this shepherd giving a demonstration of what it looks like to make a sheep lay down. It ain't happening. That shepherd cannot make a sheep lie down. He lets it lie down. And what causes that sheep to want to lie down is it's satisfied, it's full, it's had enough, you know, it's happy, it wants to lay down and take a little rest. He leads me beside peaceful streams. This is God's heart toward you. He's leading you to that place where you can drink. I hope that you're seeing some pictures in your life because you're about to, you know, the week starts. You're going to go into your life. You've got stuff to deal with. You need to know that there's a stream that is, li- that is life-giving and it's alive that you can drink from. And it's real. And it's not just emotional. It's not just theoretical. There is a spiritual life-giving stream in you that the Father God placed in you that rises up and feeds you. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to His name. He guides me along the right paths. He's not interested in leading you down a broken road. He's not interested in making your life hard to humble you so that through your suffering you bring glory to Him or something like that. Right? You might learn patience in suffering, but the suffering in and of itself that you go through is not what he's doing to you to bring out that glory. It's just not. Stripes are for the fool's back, but the wise see ahead and learn. The wisdom, the wise learn from instruction. I want to be wise. I don't want to learn the foolish way. I don't want to learn the hard way. I don't want to have to face something and, own. you know, where there's loss and tragedy, and only learn a lesson that way. There's wisdom available before. He renews my strength. He guides me along. And this is, you know, Jesus said this, that when the Spirit comes, He will lead us and guide us in all truth. So you kind of get this picture of a shepherd. He's got his staff. Sometimes the shepherd walks behind the flock. Sometimes he's in the middle of it, and sometimes he's out front. Sometimes he's walking over here to pick up the one that left the 99 and he goes after far to get the one and bring it back. But he's always tending to the sheep. He's always focused. And what he's doing is leading those sheep where they can eat and rest. You know, I mean, what shepherd says, all right, boys and girls, sheep, we're going to walk through some briars today. Because I think you need to appreciate this grass I'm about to lead you to. Appreciate that. I mean, think about it. You gotta know the heart of God. Because life happens every day. And other people don't know God, they don't. They know the Bible, they understand salvation but they don't know God. All right, let's keep going. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, your rod and your staff. Protect, not whip, not beat. Comfort me. Protect and comfort me. Of course, there's discipline, There's correction, but those are things that God does inwardly with His Word and with His Spirit to correct us back on the truth so that we're believing the right thing, because what you believe affects your behavior. I'm not punishing you for failing. Comfort and protection. Next verse. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. It, this is kind of one of those memes that goes around on, on social media now. Have you seen the one where the, it says, it explains what, the, what this means? So there's, th- there's three things of why a shepherd pour, pours oil over a sheep's head. Number one is to keep the flies away. So those pesky flies, those thoughts... Those things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. Those thoughts that you have that you need to rein in and bring them back to. Awareness of what Christ was obedient to. You know, he's keeping that stuff. He's, God is giving you something to protect your mind, keep your mind renewed, so that you are not distracted by the lies. When a lie confuses you, And when you see a promise in God and you don't see how it could be possible in this world, you're watching the flies. You're batting at these flies, you know. But if you let that oil saturate your thinking, that spirit, you stay focused on him. He takes care of the flies. Who is he? Let Let me bring my mind back. I'm facing this. Who is Jesus? Oh, there he is. There's my shepherd. Let me just keep going. Let me just keep going. My cup overflows with blessings. Next verse. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Sometimes we run. You're running from God. I'm talking to you. Sometimes you run from God. Inwardly. and he's chasing you, I got something good for you. Trust me. Walk with me. Listen to me. Do it my way, because my way brings blessing. Your way is going to bring death and destruction. Listen. My sheep listen to my voice. I know... Am I on? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. You know, so that's what he does. He calls you and he feeds you this eternal life. That is his desire. That is his goal. That is his method. That is the context of the relationship that we are in with him one of a shepherd that is leading you. He's letting you choose. You know, those those sheep, they're, they're choosing where they're going. You know, they don't necessarily know that there's a green pasture over here, but as he leads them, as he's guiding them, they're choosing. They're moving the direction that he's shaping for them, but they choose where they're going. You know, they could choose to walk off. They could choose to go try to eat some thorns or something like that, you know, and they do that. And then he guides them back. He's like, no, you're going the wrong way. Come back over this way because there's some good stuff over here. That is your God. That is your Father. That is how he's leading you. He only has good plans for you. He only wants to bring blessing and life into your life. It's the only thing that he's interested in. He, Jesus himself is glorified when you experience the promises that he has for you. You realize that? I mean, this version of Christianity that the church has presented to the world, that it's about challenge and difficulty and fighting and struggling and being faithful to the end and this. No. You watch a family that's like fighting and and like struggling and weird, and then you look at a family that's like, man, they're just over here jumping and having fun. Which one do you want to go hang out with? The world is looking at us, and what we, the church, are doing is pointing fingers back and saying, you're wrong. You're not doing it right. You don't believe the right thing. Let me show you all your sin. You gotta con- i got to convince you of how dark and dirty you are. And once you admit that you're worthless, then let me show you who God is. It's weird. I just don't understand that. I thank God I wasn't raised in the church. Come on. Because then you're in traffic and you get shot at and not even a bullet touches you. Riley got shot at. He's a trucker. How many times they shoot at you? Eight or ten times. How long ago? Three, four weeks ago? Riding on eighty-five south of the Tyrone exit, they pull out a gun and they shoot at his car, truck. Is that crazier? Well, look at him. Why would you want to shoot at that big old teddy bear? I tried to shooting back. <laughs> Were you worried? Was I worried? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for real, though. But then you look back and you think about it, and you're like, you know what? He's with me. Man, that's crazy. How many have you been shot at lately? (laughs) Man, you are with me. No matter what. I appreciate that. 74. Yeah. When you just crossed your 100,000 mile, you got up and told us you were going to hit it. You got your 100,000 miles on your bike. Good job. That's awesome. But, that, I mean, he wants us to enjoy, right? Not to consume your carnal desires on your own lusts. You know, because I don't know, people start hearing this stuff that you talk about God this way and they're like, well, where's the challenge? Where's the... It, it shows me what's in the hearts of people when they hear a message like this, if they start thinking that you're, you're like somehow negating the discipline aspect of the Lord and you're negating, you know, his justice side. Like, I know what's in your heart because if you hear this and you hear permissiveness, you're struggling. The most legalistic, angry preachers are the ones that are struggling with sin the most. Don't be listening to those people, listen to Jesus. You can pull that down. So so this is what you're left with in closing. Do you know his voice? I don't mean, can you hear a message from him? Well, the Lord told me this, you know what I mean? I mean, you might get that, but more so, do you know the influence? Do you know his influence inwardly? Do you know what he's thinking? You know, a married couple, you've been together for quite a long time. You look in their direction and you can see that look on their face. You know what they're thinking. Now, when you first get married, you judge them. You have no clue what they're thinking. But then you get to know them. You know what that look means, good or bad, right? Is it true? You just know. Your friends, your kids, you just know. You know, I, I just, and, and the on, the on, there's no substitute for getting to know him, there's no substitute for just knowing his heart towards you. Spending time with Him, worship, get in the Word, commune with people who know Him, and get and know and know Him, experience Him, and I don't just mean when it's good. I mean even when it's bad, and you're not blaming Him, you're holding on to Him, because that's when you need to hear Him the most. And it, and it's again, it's not about discerning a message. It's about. Can I yield to him and let myself be influenced by his presence? If if I could say that as a Christian, the most important thing that you could ever do is learn how to still yourself and let him influence you. And then you actually move in the direction of the influence rather than choosing the confusion, rather than waiting... Well, if you do this, then you know what a fleece is. You know how when you put the fleece out? It's like, okay, God, here, make this wet and that dry, and I'll follow you. And he did it. He's like, oh, wait a minute. Make this wet and this dry, then I'll follow you. And he did that. All these parameters we put on God, you know? Well, if I see a rainbow today, then I'll know. Wait, I need to see a double rainbow. (laughs) Then I'll know. Oh, there's a double rainbow. What does it mean? I'm making fun of you a little bit, yeah, it's, but know the voice of God in your heart. I'm telling you, it's life-giving. If you can't confidently say, I know the voice of God in my heart, there's no condemnation, there's no judgment, I'm not trying to beat you up. It's not that you're not spiritual enough. You just haven't spent enough time with him. It's as simple as that. And what does spending time with him look like for you? I mean, it's cutting the grass for me. Hanging out by the pool, being with people, you know. Listening to what people go through helps me hear him, honestly. When I listen to what people struggle with, I I have like an inner ear that I'm listening to him. Not so that I can tell him what to do, but so that I can hear I can hear how he's looking at them, you know. That's just something that i do probably something with my calling i'm assuming but you know what what is it that you do do you intentionally put yourself in a place to be influenced by him or do you just shoot out the gate like a pinball getting shot and just bouncing all around reacting 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 or do you steal yourself Choose life, and let him shape you. And that spiritual interaction is a real thing. It's, It's kind of a missing element of what we have in the body of Christ is a real supernatural expression of this connection that we have with God. And it's more influence than anything. Just try this. You can close your eyes. You cannot close your eyes. Just just take a deep breath. Just think about Him. Think about Jesus looking at you. He knows your need. He wants to feed you. He knows that you've got a journey ahead. He sees exactly where the blessing is. He sees exactly where the green grass is. Do you believe that he is leading you to the green grass? Just have that thought. Jesus, I trust in this moment you are leading me toward blessing. That's your heart for me. Let's take another deep breath. Oh, thank you, Father. And just say, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I trust your intentions toward me. I trust your heart toward me. I trust your plans toward me. I will follow you. Show me how I can learn your voice better. Show me what kinds of things I can do to invest in our relationships. It's not about the doing. It's just about being at a place. Jesus, I make myself open to you in this moment. I, I just invite you to invest in our relationship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And just one last moment. No, and just decide in your heart right now. You're my shepherd, and you are leading me to green pasture. And as I rest and I find that place of peace, I hear you even more clearly. Amen? And, you know, whether that's, whether it's, you might need more noise going on. Sometimes people might need more noise, you know I mean? It's it's different. We're all different of what, what works for you and what doesn't work for you. But just make the decision that you are going to put yourself in an intentional place to be at peace, to be influenced by Him, and expect an actual exchange to happen. And I'm telling you, grace will rise up. Inspiration will rise up. An idea or a word or someone that you're thinking of, something will rise up. Capture it. Act on it. Do it. Put it into practice. Capture the inspiration that comes from moments like that because I'm telling you, man, they are million-dollar opportunities, like literally and metaphorically. You capture those moments. Amen? Well, love you guys. Appreciate you.